This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 12 and we're in the passage where God institutes the Passover. Now, that has a lot of significance, and we are going to be talking about that regularly. We're going to be talking about that over and over again because it is the picture of Jesus. It is it is straight up giving us all the symbology that would describe Jesus. Now, it's important when you're going through this that you realize how much of the symbolism of the rest of Scripture, and especially the New Testament, is found right here. And understanding that, because not only is it symbolism just for symbolism's sake, a lot of times uh, I'll see things and it'll kind of run through Scripture and you'll go, okay, that, that makes sense, that's there. But this is the symbolism that Jesus uses, that John uses. John is really heavily into symbolism in his writings in John, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, and the Revelation. It is the symbolism that is used throughout the rest of the Old Testament It is so important that you see the symbolism and that you understand it not just as symbolism, but you understand it personally, that it has some personal impact on you and understanding how that relates to you and how you live. And uh, oftentimes we get into, when you're studying the Bible and people, people love symbolism, I do too, but they use it and they put it off in a distance and don't make it and don't personalize it. And I think, I think the great thing about symbolism is just clear evidence, clear road signs that tell us what God's talking about in scripture, but it's also clear road signs for us personally. And it allows us to get, use this physical world, the, the things of this physical world to explain spiritual things that we have a difficult time grasping. We have a difficult time understanding. And here in, in this chapter, God institutes the Passover and then the death angel is going to pass and they're going to actually do what is instituted and then they're going to be delivered and head out and the journey begins. And I love the symbolism of this because it's a picture of the atoning sacrifice of Christ. It's a picture of, of our opportunity to receive that atoning sacrifice and the conversion experience. We're converted to God's people in the midst of this and then the passing through the Red Sea and the beginning of the salvific process. So you have all these pictures that are important, but you got to know what they mean. You got to see them. You got to look at them and say, okay, what does this mean for me? Why does this matter? What, what is, what's going on here? Why does it matter to me? He says in verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And again, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So what he's saying is, what I'm doing here is I am going to destroy your tie to the world, your tie to Egypt. 
the firstborn is the blessings. I am going to, I'm going to change. I'm going to alter the way you see this life. Where, whereas we seek after our own blessings, our own things in this world, the things that we love in this world. He says, I'm going to sever that from you. The firstborn is first fruits, the most important. He says, I'm going to kind of remove that from you. And now I'm going to be the source of your blessing. I'm going to be the source of your hope. I'm going to be the source of your goodness. And we're not going to have the other. That's not going to happen. And so he says, I'm severing that from you. Now, that's the symbolism here. It, it actually happened. It actually took place. But that is the understanding that you need to gain from this symbolically. Uh, the death angel passing through Egypt is God destroying your dependence on the world and your dependence on uh, the world's ability to sustain you. Now it's now it's God's ability to sustain you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. We're not we're no longer going to be dependent on what the world provides. We're going to be dependent on what God provides. That's the symbolism by now. And then verse thirteen. Notice it's just packed full of the symbolism that's rested throughout the rest of scripture. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Remember houses, you, it's your, it's where you live. It's your dwelling place. It's the place where the true you is at. He says now, and the blood shall be a sign for you on the house. Remember Jesus's sacrifice is a life sacrifice. He's giving his life and blood is a representation of life. And we all know that in the blood there is, that is life. Without our blood, if you said, what is the most important thing in your body? It's the blood. It's the thing that makes everything run. It's the thing that makes everything happen. Without it, there's really nothing. There's no source of energy. There's no source of strength. There's no source of a purpose. The blood makes all the other organs possible. Without the blood, there is nothing. And he says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. See, Jesus's blood is going to be a sign for us of our lives. It is going to be, it is going to be the defining sign of our life. It's going to be the defining point of our lives. He says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Notice, and when I see the blood of Jesus, the second death is going to pass by. It's not going, God's not going to come and separate us spiritually from him. When he sees the blood on us, he sees Jesus. And that's the symbolism here. And it's an important symbolism. It is a defining understanding of the New Testament. It is, he's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing there. He's saying, look, the blood is going to be the symbolism. It's going to be applied to you. And when that blood is applied to you, you no longer are going to be facing death, the second death. He says, and the plague shall not be on you. This calamity is not going to take place for you. We the That's the promise of the New Testament. You shall not suffer the second death. He says, plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I pass judgment on the world, I'm not going to pass judgment on you. That's the beauty of it. And it's, it is a beautiful picture. And then he goes into how that's possible. We're going to celebrate that. How you're going to celebrate this happening. And th this is the way you're going to celebrate it. And it brings in all the other symbolism. So this day shall be to you a memorial. 
and that is the that is what we do as Christians on Sunday morning. We remember the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing every Sunday morning. And oftentimes, for me, lifestyle the lifestyle has been so long. I don't remember ever getting up not going to church on Sunday. It, I don't remember that being something that I know I did it in college. I know I I, I did it some when I was a very young adult. But that was a dark day for me, and so I, it's not like I wanted to go back and be like that ever again. And it just seems for me just almost wrong not to, not to on Sunday morning celebrate my risen Lord. It just doesn't seem to me not to do that. And the reason we do it on Sunday mornings because that's the time, that's the day and the time when where Jesus walked out of the tomb. We celebrate Sunday morning being a picture of the resurrection. We celebrate, in fact. The way God created the earth, what? It was night and day on the first day. We start out in darkness, but in the middle of it, God sends his light, his son. And the symbolism is in the morning. The joy comes in the morning. Why? Because salvation comes in the morning. Deliverance comes in the morning. Atonement comes in the morning. And uh, and the new life is available for us in the morning. And on Sundays, I just, I don't, I, I just going to be honest with you. If you're out there and you're, and I've had this conversation with lots of people in my life and I've said to them, I'm not just telling you to go to church. I'm telling you, go to church where the spirit of God's moving, go to church where the word of God's being preached, go show up where you sense God speaking, you sense God moving and you hear with your ears, the word of God being taught, not stories, not excellent orators. I'm talking about people, someone, somewhere where the the person up front is speaking from scripture. He's teaching you from scripture. That is the office that the person should have. He's the teaching pastor. He should be. He's a pastor teacher. That's the job. And so when that's going on, uh, then you can remove that guy out of the way because he's speaking the word of God and you can begin to hear the spirit teach you from the word. Go be in that place. I had that experience when I was in college. I've had, I had a daughter have, have that experience where she just didn't go for a little while. And I didn't let her languish as long as I did. Uh, I finally had a talk with her about Christmas of the first year. And I said, you're having all these struggles and things just ain't going right for you. And you can't find a way for yourself. I'm going to tell you, there's one problem you've got. And that problem's not all the things you think it is problem is you're not in the presence of God on a weekly basis. So you have no way, you have no light to show you how to get anywhere. You're wandering and you're going to continue to wander until you walk in the light. And the apostle John says it so clearly. He says, we're supposed to walk in the light as he is in the light. And when you really think about it, it's obvious. And how do I walk in the light? I got to be where God's spirit I know is going to be moving. You walk around this world and you can pretty much guarantee his spirit's not always readily available. You're just not going to see it on moving all the time. Now, is his spirit moving all over the place? Sure it is. But you got to be, you got to be tuned in to see that. You got to have, you, you have to be walking with God to see that. And how do I learn how to see it? I learn how to see it where I know God's going to be. Where do I know God's going to be? He's going to be where God's people gather. How do I know that? He said, if we're two or more gathered in my name, there I am also. What he's saying is you can be guaranteed to know that I'm going to be where my people are getting together to discuss me and to pray to me and to seek me out. I can guarantee you that's going to happen. And so many times we wander in the darkness and we don't show up 
We don't show up where we need to be. We don't show up where we ought to be so that we can have our eyes focused on what's going on and where we can have our ears listening and tuned in to hearing God. And he says, you should do this as a memorial, which means we should regularly, listen to me, regularly meet together and discuss these things. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. He's saying, look, before you were getting your best from the world, now the feast is a picture of God's abundance. It is. And let me tell you something. I love the word feast almost as much as I love the word buffet. But feast and buffet are great words. And they, you ever been to Golden Corral? There's abundance right there. And if there's not, people are mad too now. I'm telling you that you show up there and they don't have all the food out. People ain't ain't happy about it. And remember, in God's kingdom, there's always a feast. And that's what that's the picture. No longer am I sustained by the world. I'm sustained by I'm sustained by God. I'm going to get my abundance from him. And I'm not going to expect that the world to give me anything. And if you notice, if you really are a history buff like myself, the world's not really provided for the common folk a whole lot ever. And even today, we had a bill passed that said that we're gonna we're gonna take care of you because these are bad times, and we're gonna send a bunch of people to audit you, and we're gonna spend a bunch of money that we don't have, and drive up your inflation so that we can audit you more. That was ridiculous. As an economics major from an Ivy League school, from the best Ivy League school for economics, I'm sitting there going, this doesn't make any sense. But it does if you understand that the world's never gonna provide for you. If you expect that the world's going to do you right, they're not. The world will be at war with what God's doing all the time. And if you're going to seek your abundance from the world, the world doesn't love you because you're not a part of it. You're a part of another kingdom. And so you need to get your abundance from the Lord. And that's what this feast is about. This feast is about the abundance of the Lord. And throughout all throughout your generations, meaning this is something that's passed down over and over again. God doesn't run out of it. He gives it more and more to the next generation. And by the way, if you walk with God, especially some of you new folks to new believers that are just figuring out who God is, you need to know this, that oftentimes you say, it seems like other Christians, they got it. They have a lot more blessings than I do. And I'm a new start. You got to remember, God loves that new start, that God loves that first fruit family, that first fruit person in a family. Why? Because he starts his anointing with you. And sure, you're not going to experience everything quite someone who's grown up in it and knows it and sees it. But you know what you're going to get? You're going to get all the blessings for being the first fruit. And God's going to pour into you, well, a lot more and a lot quicker than he would pour into anybody else because you're the first You're the first step in that family. And God likes to have those veins, new veins created of his anointing to pour out. And that God's goodness is, he says, that you're going to keep it as a feast and an everlasting ordinance. This is something you should do all the time. You should regularly do this. You should think about it all the time. He said, in seven days, you shall eat unleavened bread. Now, notice they were to eat unleavened bread seven days. Now, the truth is that I probably should stop right here and probably will stop right here because I can't, I don't have time to get into unleavened bread because unleavened bread is, it is the picture of Jesus. And not only is it the picture of Jesus, it gives us a relation with ourselves because notice they're supposed to eat unleavened bread and they're supposed to do it for seven days. And, uh, and notice that's a full week. It's a full t- period of time. A year and a week in scripture are always the fullness of time. If you ever see that, 
That's the fullness of time. Whenever God says a time and a and time and a half, you always know that he's talking about a year. When he's talking about weeks or one week, that's always a full episode. It's a full period of time. And that's just the way God made things. And so I would say to you that you need to see that if God made this world in cyclical order, meaning that he made everything in a week's period of time, then your life ought to mirror that cyclical lifestyle. And so you go, what do you mean, Pastor? This is what I mean. I mean that obviously Monday's the Monday for us is the start of a work week, and it's the start of going into the world and working and being who we need to be in the world, serving our communities, being a light and hope in, in, in the world of darkness, meeting the needs of our family, being someone that can be counted on for those things, taking care of our family for some of us who don't have jobs in the world, but we do have jobs of taking care of children or family members. And a lot of us have those issues that we have to do regularly. We, we, we have to take care of those things. We have our burden to bear in the world. That's the natural order of things. We're out there and we're laboring for the kingdom of God, that's how the week work week goes on. And uh, and as you work through that week and you move closer and closer to Sunday, if you'll notice, even in the natural order of things, as we move towards Sunday, you begin to see, uh, get more and more excited. And Friday and Saturday, everybody's not everybody. Most of the world is off, and most of the world we live in is off. And then it's building toward that pinnacle. As the weekends, and we get to the weekend, and that's because the weekends, we begin to be prepared. And Sunday is the day where we celebrate a risen Lord, and that fills us up and prepares us to begin the cycle again. And if you don't really see that as your life cycle, as how's God made it, you miss out on on functioning the way God made you to function. And as well as I do, if you don't get enough sleep, you're you're cranky. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not right in the right place the way you want to with your life, you get cranky. If things are not good, you you know how it just doesn't seem to be working right. The reason it's not working right a lot of times is because you're not doing it right. You're not doing it the way God made it to be done. And it's never going to be working right for you until you do that. You've got to, now there's people, nurses that work seven on, seven off. I understand that. Those kind of things happen in this life. But even in that, you've got to find a balance and figure out how am I going to do this in a way that's going to going to honor and going to mirror how God does things. And you got to figure that out. And you, there's ways to do it. There sure is ways to do it. But you got to walk with God and figure it out yourself, figure out how that's going to happen. And the and, But the main thing is you got to mirror God's plan. There's that. We work in the field, we reap the harvest, we celebrate. We work in the field, we reap the harvest, we celebrate. And that's what's going on here. He's going to make sure that they understand you're going to be eating this bread for seven days. But why? Because in the fullness of time, God gives us his very best. And we're going to be talking about this all week long. And I hope you you see that that in this story, there's great understanding of how life is actually supposed to be lived because it is a picture of God's finished work of Jesus Christ to give us life. And uh, as we study it and think about it, 
then maybe you can begin to order your life in such a way, the disciplined life. And remember, if we're going to be a disciple, we got to be disciplined. The disciplined life causes us to do these things and do them in the right way. I hope that'll be the case for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.